The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up using promo code WMVP at sportsbook.draftkings.com. From the old National Bank State Street studio, you're listening to Waddle and Sylvie on the new home of the Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago. WMVP. WSHE. HD2 Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. Empty spread, Bajan on second and 16 against a three-man rush. They drop eight, hangs in there, oh, fires, it's intercepted oh, at midfield, darting around. And finally brought down by Cole Komet around the 45-yard line. Threw the ball to the right, they dropped eight. Halson Adebo with the interception, a third-year man out of Stanford. He takes the ball away from the Bears. Snap back against a three-man rush. They drop eight, they throw over the middle, and a diving interception on a throw over the middle to Mooney. And it's taken away by the Saints. Their third takeaway, Marcus May, the safety breaking in front of Darnell Mooney. And the Saints here in the fourth quarter are threatening to pull away from the Bears. Bajan in the gun brings Mooney in motion to the near side slot. Here's the snap, corner blitz. Everything's picked up as he winds up. He throws over the middle and intercepted again. Going for Tyler Scott and swiped by Paulson Adebo. His second interception today, third for the Saints on a throw over the middle. Oh, the highlights or lowlights in that case for Bajan. Three interceptions. I can't recall a more disastrous fourth quarter in recent... Now, if you make me think hard enough, I'm sure we'll find one because the, the history's been littered with, with unbelievably bad things. But three turnovers... And that, that stretch just, I, I mean, the defense kept giving them the, the ball back, giving them an opportunity, and it just... That's what I mean. Like, the one thing that stuck out in that highlight, one of those highlights was that Joniak said, and the Saints are in danger of blowing this thing out, and they never no, did. Nope. They never did, and they just kept giving the ball. The defense stepped up, and the Saints played along, and they kept giving the ball back. Now, the, the, the Bears had terrible field position. Uh, and, and then the penalties didn't help either, but Bajan just kept making those Ugh. bad, those costly, costly mistakes. That- it's what we've talked about, too, is, is like at least the game against the Raiders, and granted it was the Raiders, but there were no boom goes the dynamite right. moments, and that's exactly what we've seen in each of the last two games. There's a long stretch of play, and I'll argue that the entire first three quarters were pretty damn solid. And then you get multiple boom-goes-the-dynamite moments that just don't allow you to win a football game. Right. Like, there's been worse Bears performances. Uh, 18 of 30, 220 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, Quarterback rating of 65.3. His QBR was pretty good for that at 67. That's on a scale of 100 because of the rushing yards. Yep. Um, But, but yeah, that, that, the costly. Very, very costly. And um, you can't make you can't make those mistakes. He knows that too. I love the accountability uh, after the game. And um, if you want to talk about the Bears three one two three three two three seven seven six, and we're all over the Cubs story too. If you're just getting into your car, or you're you're unaware, or if you are aware, the Cubs did fire David Ross today. Someone who will always be remembered as a a World Series hero, a guy who homered in his last at bat that he ever took in Major League Baseball. Didn't, I want to say he homered in his last regular season at bat and his last at bat ever. 
The last at bat was in the World Series. In right? the I World don't remember Series. the regular season. I, I want to say he homered, and then Joe got him, and and at least at home, maybe it wasn't his his last at bat in regular. I remember he had homered in a game at Wrigley Field in sixteen, and Joe came out to the mound, and Joe they thought they were getting the pitcher, but instead it was to go get Ross. Do you remember this? And Ross was catching, so he he got Ross, so, so Ross yeah. could get the curtain call yeah. as the catcher. And I don't know if that was his last major league regular season at bat or just his last re- Wrigley Field at bat. I wonder how difficult a conversation this was for Jed. Oh, well, I'm sure very yeah. hard. I, but I, at the end of the day, you got to make what's the decision that's best for your organization. But it's I business. think this is probably it, a horribly difficult conversation for. For Jed Hoyer. It's business. And we were talking in the offseason that the Bears have to make these really tough decisions at the end of the season. I don't think they're that tough. Um, and then I was talking about to the guys in the break, you know, if Jerry would ever wake up, that go get Bob Myers for the Bulls. You know, get blow that up, blow that up again. Blow the continuity guys. Cap calls them the settlers. Because they settle for, they've settled for everything, and go go get you like you talk about when a guy becomes available, who's the best, and they're all going to have flaws. Everyone's got flaws. Well, Bob Myers did this in Golden State, and he didn't do this. He's still better than what the what the Bulls have had. Go out, and he's he, I think he's broadcasting right now, isn't he? Is he broadcasting I for think the company? So, yeah, I've seen him sitting next to Wilbon on a number yeah, of occasions. Right. So go get him after this year off. Yes, and, and reset that organization. Make sure, you change, make sure you change paint on that floor too. I thought I was going to have a seizure watching that game on Friday. Night. That's it, though. That's Whew. don't ever do that again. Yeah, never again. They're own one in, in poor play. <sighs> I just, but like I, I'm serious, like. Maybe it's just my age, but my eyeballs hurt from that thing. I was pissed. I played the Bulls when they were down four or whatever, when they, and it was like uh, plus whatever on the money line, and I played them to win. And sure enough, they burned me again. Burned me again, those Bulls. Uh, but anyway, back to Fields. Here, here, I don't want him to play Thursday. I don't think he's going to be close to being healthy. You don't have to come riding in as a hero because you're not really saving the Bears from anything. The Bears aren't in playoff contention. And I would understand if the Bears were a game over 500 or at 500 and you want to come back and you want to save the team and sacrifice your body and you want to be there for your teammates to, and, and, and everyone's got to play through injuries. The Bears are not that team. So I would suggest that Fields takes the extra couple of weeks and and get as right as possible. What I don't want happening is I don't want him to come back too soon and I don't want the evaluation to be skewed by him coming back too early. If the if he's got one last push in him to convince Ryan Poles that he could be the guy, I don't want to hear a bunch of excuses that his thumb was never healed or that he came back too soon. Give it a couple more weeks you're not saving the day for anybody. Make sure you're as good as possible where you can play your best football. And it's always something with, with people who, who's, well, well, feel it's the coach. And, oh, he missed that tight end that's on the tight end, even though the tight end was wide open against the Washington Commanders on that Thursday night game. 
I don't want any more excuses for Justin. I want when he comes back to ball out and convince Bears fans that he should be the guy. And if he can't do that, then they should draft the quarterback. So I don't want him in a rush to come back when he can't grip the football or the thumb is painful. I want all of them to make sure that he he is good as he possibly can be and to stop blaming everybody else for the lack of success. And I want him to go out there and to play good football for a third-year quarterback already. If he's 100% and has full strength and no pain in his thumb, then play Thursday. I don't think that's the case. I can't imagine that's the case. I don't know if the thumb is ever going to be 100% this year. But if I was him, knowing that I'm still trying to define my career in this league, not just for this team, but possibly 31 others as well, the last thing I want to do, and as, and as much of a competitor as I know he wants to be out there, but you're not doing yourself or your team any good at all if, in fact, physically you are not capable of playing the position at a high level or at a maximum level. It's just not. And, and I, again, I don't know if through the entirety of the entire season he's going to have 100% you know, full strength and everything else. But if there's any question at all, I would advise them to be cautious. I would think that... Justin would want that. Sure. I would think that Justin's team would want that. Um, I, you've got to put the best tape for the Bears on the field. You've got to put the best tape for the league on the field. I would think if, it, listen, if you had that $200 million contract in your back pocket already and your team was fighting for a postseason berth or an NFC North title, then I could understand your decision right. to try to come back. And, I'm, and, and, and listen, I, I think that his his desire to come back doesn't probably doesn't have anything to do with where they're at in the standings or what his contractual situation is. But all of that stuff factored in. It doesn't do him or the team any good if he's not able to play the right, position healthy right, right. with any degree of health. And, I, and I'm like, I want to know. I, because I don't want Justin walking out the door or getting rid of him if he can be the guy. I've always liked Justin. I just want him to play better. It's pretty simple. I want him to be more consistent. I want him to be on time. I want him to go through his progressions correctly. I don't want to have him miss open guys. That's it. He's listed as day-to-day now, right? Isn't that what Coach yeah. said? And we'll mm-hmm. talk to him in a little bit. I know that DJ Moore was asked about it. Um, my guess is is that everyone feels it, it's, it's probably a little too soon for him to come back physically, that the injury could probably use another week or so. So my money would be on that he'll come back the week after, but we'll find out. Week or day to day, not week to week any longer. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. So whether you want to talk about baseball and the Cubs decision or the Bears and yesterday's game and 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 Bajent and Fields and and what the Bears should do here coming up on Thursday, uh, be our guest. Let's uh, go to Weston in Milwaukee. Uh, hold on, Weston, I got the wrong line. Weston, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up? Hey, guys. How you doing today? Um, I uh, wanted to look at this actually as a Brewers fan, and uh, I'm happy that Council's gone finally. Um, he's failed too much in the playoffs for me, and I will say that he is a different playoff manager than he is a regular season manager. Um, a lot of the decisions he's done over the last four playoffs have been very questionable um, that I think he just kind of wore out his welcome here in Milwaukee. 
and I don't, I wouldn't say he's a bad manager by any means, but I'm, I definitely think his time to leave Milwaukee was, was here. Look, you've watched them closer than I have in the, in the postseason. So I'm going to, um, I'll, I'll trust what you say. Um, I, I know that a lot of Packer fans got tired of Aaron Rodgers losing <laughs> in the playoffs, and it could get a whole lot worse. Um, this was a him decision, right? The Brewers were still interested in him yes. maintaining his spot as their manager. Yes. Yeah, and I think I think the fact that they, you know, I, he just failed too many times, and I think it's just kind of common. That's just how it is nowadays with with managers. You just you lose your patience with them, and I uh, I, I think the lasting image of him putting Jesse Winker in two playoff games this sure. this postseason was probably the final nail for Brewers fans when it came to Council. Um, putting a guy who hadn't played since July and was batting one ninety into the game, right, was just the biggest head scratcher. Um, you know, I, I appreciate what he did, but I think, you know, kind of like the Bucks let Coach Bud go, I think it was time for Council to go. Right. Well, look, there's a short like, – it's, it's, we, we still have people who call in who think Lovey got the shaft, you know, yes. after nine years and all those years of miss, missing the postseason. You thought the one who won the World Series for the Cubs would have the job forever. That didn't last no. long. They showed him the door pretty damn quickly. David Ross got shown the door pretty damn quickly you heard uh what the milwaukee bucks did with coach bud you know like it, it, it's a short shelf life if yeah. you don't consistently win on that high level people get tired of you and get tired of you sooner these days amen to that dan in the loop you're on espn 1000 what's up dan hey guys thanks for taking my call um just wanted to t- kind of go back to a conversation that i think even you guys had back in like july when the cubs weren't performing and we were talking about, like, who's uh, who's to blame for it. And, I, you know, it all circled back to, like, Hoyer as the president of baseball operations. And I just think it's awesome that today he had an opportunity to make the team better because um, it does all roll up to him, right? So he went out. Yeah, it's a difficult conversation to let go of Ross. I think a lot of people do like Ross. But, like, at the end of the day, Hoyer's job is to make the baseball team better. And I think he did that. And, um so I, I'm just really happy with it. I think it was a good move. Yeah, it's hard, but that's why those guys are in the position they're in. Yeah, I, look, are you a better baseball team today with, with Craig Council on your top step versus David Ross? My I, my answer would be, you, you know what? Like it's tough to that's tough to measure, isn't it? It, it is. I but, think so, but it's tough to measure. It is. But if you had to say yes or no, what would you say? I would say yes because uh, you know me. I like playing kids who, yes, may fail, and yes, may not have done it, but I'd rather give them the opportunity to thrive. And that's what I always liked about Joe. Joe always said to Javi, try not to suck, when he was an inexperienced um, a guy who would make some mistakes with discipline at the plate, but he gave him the opportunity, and he gave many young players their opportunity. There's two two portions are part of, of of this deal or this business it's identifying talent and, and developing talent they've done a pretty good job up north in milwaukee developing their talent haven't they yes so i mean you Pitching can identify too. talent all you want but if you can't develop that talent you've only done half the job jim in lakeview you're on espn 1000 what's up jim hey guys uh, i just wanted to say that uh david ross you know he meant to a lot to the city what he did as a player and a coach, but at the end of the day, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and if you're not eating, you're getting eaten. Thanks, and go Cubs. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate the phone call. And and 
let's face it. We all like the the story about the former player who comes and then is going to be the manager or the coach. But Dennis Savard was fired as the Blackhawks coach, and then Joel Quinville came in and he won multiple cups. It's not always about being the former player. Bill Cartwright had to be fired. Uh, John Paxson had to be fired. Like a lot of times, the best coaches are guys that you can bring in from outside the organization. Two things can be correct at the same time. It was time to move on. You can appreciate David Ross for what he meant to the Cubs organization, but this is a better fit for them. Robin Ventura, just because he was a former White Sox player, would not make him a, a great manager. Uh, now, David Ross did some more more stuff than Ventura, certainly. I'm surprised with the way Cubs fans are voting. I did not think it would be this overwhelming of being this supportive. Uh, 45 people, 4,500 people have voted. A lot of votes in just a couple of hours. Cubs fans, are you happy with the hiring of Craig Council? 88.4% say yes. And we, we don't get that much. Uh, no, it's never usually that high. Not that one-sided of a poll. What, what, is, what, what, what do you believe is, is the reason why that number is so high? If I said to you, and you play the role of Jed Hoyer, and I say to you, Jed, why, why exchange David Ross for Craig Council? Jed would say we're always looking to improve our roster, whether that be the manager or whether that be the players. And we felt that this was an upgrade. No disrespect to David Ross. We just felt that this was an upgrade in the manager position. And I don't want to get into what, what David didn't do. I want to get into what kind of a manager that we believe that we're getting in Craig Council. Would you agree that that's what Jed would say? Probably so, but I would want to know, is this tactical? Is this player development? Is it a combination of both? Was this just some guys, you know, you, you, your time in one place expires and it's time to make, you know, to move on and, and, and try something different. I just wonder what is, what would be the one thing that was the biggest reason why you thought this was the right decision? Like, again, my guess was uh, maximizing the young players. Uh, Again, I just thought Rossi being that he was one of those gritty veteran players that teams would add because he's a gritty veteran player. And I thought he leaned on too many of those guys too long in the year and wouldn't go to the youngsters. I, I mentioned it to you many, many times yeah, during the season. Absolutely. And and all of them were washed. They were all washed. I just don't understand if he had such a good relationship with Jed, why couldn't they come to common ground with giving Morell more at bats or trusting some of the young guys more frequently? And and in this game, in today's major league baseball arena, I know the manager has final say on the lineup, but isn't there a more collaborative approach than ever before? Like, yes, uh, yes. I, I, I mean, the it. front office sometimes is dictating what your lineup looks like. But what like. did Jed tell us? He recommends. Yes. They get recommendations, but it's always up to it's always up to Ross. On, well, Jed on just what made to a do. different recommendation. Maybe, yeah, maybe, and maybe they said I'm re- recommending yeah. that we have a different manager. And, and well, and maybe they, uh, like I said. They probably would not have made this switch unless Council was the guy. They probably right. would have given him another year and would have seen where it went. Um, 
Mr. Anderson tweets, he says, funny listening to Sylvie and Cap campaigning for Fields not to play on Thursday. They want Bajent against the Panthers and their bad defense so he can look good and be remembered by that for- and not be remembered by that fourth quarter debacle in New Orleans. So transparent. Look, you can believe me and take me at my word. I want Justin to come back as healthy as can be. I don't know if you're ever totally healthy uh, with a thumb injury. I want him to be as healthy as can be. And so he can make the push either way and, and make the decision as easy as possible. I don't, I don't want to hear at the end of the year that he came back too soon and that he wasn't capable of, of playing good football. This isn't a Bajan thing. The, the Bears need to find out if Fields is the guy or not. I'm leaning towards he's not. But I would like him to sway me to being he is. So go out and ball out. And in order to do that, I believe an extra two weeks, this full week and next full week, would give him the better opportunity to go into Detroit and be that guy. And even in a more simplified uh, way, Fields is your starter. And as soon as he's healthy and ready to play, then he's your guy. Then you put him back yeah, in. Yeah, Period. End of story. no hidden agenda no. here. That's stupid. Kurt in Milwaukee, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Kurt? Hey, guys. First of all, love your show. Um, thanks for taking my call. Thank you. We, we, root, we root for different teams, but like I said, I love you guys' insight and everything. I, I can't disagree with the previous caller from Milwaukee enough. I think you guys are getting such a class act. Uh, in Craig Council, and I think this was a big screw you to the Brewers owner who just refused to put any pieces in place, which is why Council had to put Jesse Winker in a freaking postseason lineup, which is unheard of. And, uh, yeah, I just think he was sick and tired of it. He made up this decision a while ago. That's why I didn't negotiate with the team. It wasn't about money. I think if the Brewers came back at $9 million, he wasn't coming back to Milwaukee for that reason. We were going to make him the highest paid as well, just not $8 million a year. So you're a Brewers fan, and you are, you are like happy that he, he left, but for opposite reasons because you felt like the, you got pissed at the owner. Yeah, we, we never give – we can't sign Cody Bellinger. We can't sign Otani like you guys can. But we can certainly at the deadline give him a lame duck player who's going to make a difference in our lineup, and we never do. And we're running out there with guys hitting 210, 220, Jesse Winker. It's, it's embarrassing. You have a pitching staff like we have, no help on offense, was given absolutely nothing. He's an analytical genius. You guys got a gem. You guys got an absolute gem. Okay. So we've had two Brewer fans call in. One guy said uh, he's overrated in the playoffs, good regular season manager, overrated in the postseason. One guy said, uh uh, he just doesn't have the toolbox that most managers have come I, I see Milwaukee listed and, and these things I don't know what to believe and what's not to believe this is from April of this year but I see the Brewers listed as the 20th highest payroll they, uh, payroll, yeah, they, they don't pay 118 million um, that's lower than the White Sox much lower uh, yes the White Sox are listed at 181 million that's not getting much bang for your buck no like this rivalry was already intense and remember Ross was pissed at the Brewers late in the year. There was some arguing going on, but like this, well, this is really going to make Fire the rivalry. Like, yeah. Fire it up. So, um, again, the, the breaking news from earlier today, David Ross fired by the Cubs, and the Cubs swoop in 
and they grab Craig Council, from who was a free agent from the Brewers. They pay him uh, over a five-year period $40 million. Again, it is a lot of money, but it doesn't count against uh, the luxury tax. $8 million a year is like a – that's a utility baseball player. And this a manager sets everything. He sets the culture. He impacts all 25 guys on the roster, 26, whatever it is these days. Um, I think it's a it's a it's a great move. Uh, don't forget, Waddle and I will be at Twin Peaks in Oakbrook Terrace on Wednesday. Busy week for us. We've got Bears football on Thursday. Come out and see us break up the work week. We'll be at Twin Peaks. Eat streaks, scenic views on Wednesday from two to six. It's on Twenty Second Street. We'll have great prizes. So come uh, see us and text your buddies right now. Say hey, just heard that Waddle and Sylvie will be out. Plus, uh, the holiday parody song competition is now open. More fodder. We'll give you more details about that coming up next and more of your phone calls. And Matt Eberflus coming your way in 10 minutes from right now. Ah, commuting in Chicago. Ah, If you're stuck, stick with Waddle and Sylvie. Weekdays 2 to 6. Matt Eberflus is going to join us here coming up in five minutes. Usually uh, 210, but this is a Thursday night game, so their practice week and schedule is different. It's such a weird practice schedule when you're playing four days after. Gosh, is that a difficult task for these guys? I don't think they uh, practice much, do they? No, no. I think it's glorified walkthroughs. It's just like I, I, I always marvel at the, I don't know why they do it, but it's such a challenge for, for guys to be out there doing that again. This, but, and it's the second time they're doing yeah, it in like a month. Yeah, yes. So I know guys love the extended break afterwards, but the playing Sunday and then again on Thursday is so, so hard on your body for sure. And, and then, um, you know what was weird going to, as we shift to the Bears a little bit, and we'll continue to talk about, what well, the Cubs did today, they uh, fired David Ross and they signed Craig Council. The I heard Carmen Yurko talk about. It. I was sitting with Yurko during this. I texted you guys in the group that play where Eberflus got the successful challenge on the spot on the fourth down. It was a missed spot to begin with. All right, so one official had it uh, well. A bad spot. The other official came in. She she saw it closely too, and initially her spot was, was a bad spot. Was way, yeah. The guy comes in and they start conferring, and then they move it. And it, the way they respotted it, it already looked like the respot was a first down. I don't understand why. After the respot, it was even a fourth down. I thought the respot clearly showed it was right next to the pylon or the the first down marker. I thought that it was a clearly a first down. I want to ask Eberflus, wh- why did they not just rule it a first down to begin with? When are we going to put a chip in a football? Is it in there yet? Mason was asking me yesterday about the 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 chains again, yeah. like about the how they know the game. tenure. Because wasn't it, it was in the Dallas and Philly game yes. where they got a fourth down and they missed it by this much? Don't ever look at another man and do that. Little, 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 
yeah. like a, not even an inch. Yeah. And and I go, it's silly, Mace. I go, this is how they just still do it. Just put a chip it. in the end of the football, right? Yeah. Miller, you were thinking the same thing? Oh, absolutely. I was losing my mind. It just goes to show you. And I think, Sylvie, that's the perfect explanation for when you know something is is silly, is when a child asks you to explain it, and you immediately start thinking to yourself, you know what? This is not a good process. With all the technology that they still have two men, other people have done this bit, where they still have two men holding a pole with a chain that measures 10 yards. Yeah. yeah. And that's how they're measuring. And, and spotting the football is not exact to begin with. And like yeah. Waddle says, the chip would give you a more exact place to where the ball was down. The NFL is filled with really strange Meanwhile, rules. Meanwhile, how about all the television graphics? Show you exactly where the line is. Right, but they that? always say that it's never exact. Yeah, about? because the refs are ridiculous. That's why the, the graphics aren't exact. Yeah, we got to have a conversation later today because there were several things that happened with regard to officiating and rules that I think we should talk about to get off our chest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, is, is Matt ready for us right now? Uh, yep, we're going to get him uh, right now. Uh, Matt Eberflus normally joins us. On Mondays at two ten, but because of the uh, different work schedule, he's joining us now. Should we start with this the the question sure. about the spot? Absolutely, uh, Coach. Uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. You got it. Uh, and I hear you loud and clear. This sounds beautiful. Um, I, we were just having the discussion about the spot and the challenge that you won. Um, it was a good challenge. What I didn't understand as a fan watching it on television, after the two officials talked it out, they looked like the respot was a first down. Why didn't they mark it first down to begin with, and why did they say that was fourth down? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to thank the fans, the Chicago Bears fans, for traveling down to New Orleans. They were, again, awesome uh, the entire time on offense and defense, and we certainly felt their presence there. But uh, in terms of the spot, it was third and 13. You know, Tyson did a really good job of, uh, you know, evading the rush and then scrambling for that and did a great job of reaching out. And once they conferred, you know, with each other, that's where they put the spot, you know. So that's where it was. We felt it was short. Uh, we got a couple of looks at it on the replay. And that's when I threw my my flag. Coach, you mentioned him, uh, Tyson Bagent, your young quarterback, uh, played clean football for the most part for three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter it went sideways. Are teams doing things different as games go on against him because they're not used to seeing him? Uh, I don't believe so. I mean, they've seen enough football from him now where they – they, they know what he can do and what he's capable of. So, uh, you know, again, like you said, for the first three quarters, you know, he, he was really good, had a passer rating of 123 and, you know, was really a big part of our offense. I think he had 271 yards of our offense in terms of passing and running at that point. And, and uh, we just got to finish better in the end. But uh, overall, it was good. To what do you attribute the, the struggles in the fourth quarter? Is it arm strength at times? Is it inexperience? Is it a combination of things? Why... Is he struggling in crucial moments, in your opinion? I would really say this, that when you talk about, you know, interceptions or turnovers, it's really never about one guy. Uh, it's always about, you know, the guy who's catching it, you know, and the guy who's throwing it. And, you know, it's the rhythm and timing of it. And, again, receivers can help him by coming back to the ball, not talking a particular play, but that's typically what it is. And, you know, decision-making by the quarterback. And he's going to learn from those things, you know, as we go forward. So when he says that's all on me, he's just being a good teammate, and you wouldn't agree with that? 
No, it's never all in one guy. It never is. You know, it's always uh, it's always on you know the the group. You know, it could be a protection thing. It could be a receiver thing. It could be a quarterback thing. It's you know, it's never just on one person. Is his arm strength? And I know this has come up as far as um, you know throwing it into the end zone on that hail mary, and you guys took him out there. But when when he's got to get into, into a tight window in the NFL in crunch time on a one score game, does he got does he have enough on his arm to get the ball in those spots? Yes, he's got plenty of anticipation and plenty of arm strength to get that done for sure. And uh, we've seen him do it in practice. And again, those are all learning moments for him um, as he goes forward here. But uh, we'll see where it goes. Coach, you're working on a short week this week. What can you tell us about the status of Justin Fields? Yeah, Justin's day to day. You know, he's day to day. We'll we'll look at him today and, and see where he goes, and we'll we'll know more by Wednesday. Um, but that's where he is. He's day to day. Ultimately, he's a competitor like uh, n- nobody else. Uh, I mean, he wants to play. At the end of the day, though, who makes the decision on whether or not he's capable of playing? Is it him? Is it the trainers? Yeah. Is it you guys? Yeah, it's the medical staff. You know, it's always a three three prong effect, right? The medical staff has to clear the first hurdle, and he's got to clear through that. And then, you know, the player's got to feel good and confident that he can, you know, operate out in the game. And then the coach's eye has to look at it and say, yes, um, he's functional and able to do his job. Oh, does he have enough practice time to really test it? Because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, don't you guys basically go through walkthroughs and don't really practice like a regular week? Yeah, it's a walkthrough practice uh, the, for the first two days, and then the last day we put our helmets on, and we get a lot get more speed um, on that last day um, of, of the three day practice before leading up to this. So, what does he does he have enough time to get ready for a Thursday game with a limited practice? Yeah, I think he does have enough time. And like I said, it's day to day, but in terms of the time frame, I think he does have enough time. DJ Moore said yesterday when asked, um, he thought that it would be hard for him to return on a short week. Would you agree with that? Um, it's always hard to go on a short week, but again, that's possible. You know, all things are possible, and again, we're going to take it day to day. Coach, your thoughts on the addition of Montez Sweat to your team and how he ultimately played in his first game as a Bear? I thought it was really good. You know, he really, uh, in terms of just learning the terminology, you know, and learning, you know, how we do things. And, and uh, I really thought he really performed well. Um, I know he had quite a few pressures. I think he had four pressures, you know, in uh, during the course of the game. And I think he affected the other pass rushers, too, because he bring a lot of attention to his side. And I think it freed up a couple of guys when we did a really good job on third down in the second half, uh, to, you know, to create um, some opportunities for our football team. So, so like a lot of people were wondering. Oh, I didn't notice sweat. You, after watching film, you did see the pressure that he created. Oh, no doubt. Yes, no doubt. He he had four or five good pressures uh, during that uh, during those third downs and those passing situations. Was he was he a guy that you've always liked? And and you told us last week that you would be included with Ryan on some of these trade talks. So. Um, when did you know that he was really a target that you guys could go out and get? Yeah, so it was really just Ryan and his staff working tirelessly during that before that trade deadline and did a great job. And uh, I, and I knew I loved him when he was coming out, you know. So I already knew that I wanted him because uh, <laughs> I wanted him coming out of out of college. And then you know certainly when you watch him as a pro, um, he's certainly taking care of business, you know, handling the run and the pass and, and being an all around defensive end. And you love his length and size for sure. And that will create a lot of good uh, things for us, sack fumbles and, and, and turnovers for us on defense.
Yeah, so they didn't get him for you in Indy, obviously. Yeah, you're were, you were mad. Get <laughs> away. Um, uh, we're talking to Matt Eberflus, Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. You know, you mentioned us a few weeks ago that you really like Jalen Johnson. And I think by reading some of the articles that from the start on where he came from under your leadership, that you guys have really built up this trust. Um, after he was being shopped and he was going and negotiating with other teams. Did you ever call him into your office and then have a pep talk with him once he was brought back and you knew he wasn't getting traded? Yeah, we just had a conversation man to man. You know, it's, it's just, you know, that's a hard time for a player, you know, during those times and you're unsure what's going on. Same thing with Montez, you know, he was in that same situation and, you know, I really said the same conversation to both. You know, when you're a coach or a player, you, you're in those situations sometimes, and we all understand that, and there's a lot of stress and in, 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 uh, things that you go through emotionally there. And uh, he knows I love him. Jalen knows that I love him. I love the way he plays. I love the way he's growing as a football player, and he's continuing to get better. And uh, he does everything we ask him to do. While you don't pick favorites, do you, do you feel like you have a special bond with Jalen Johnson? Yeah, I do. I feel like I have a special bond with a lot of players, um, and uh, I just love to see guys grow um, in this profession, and uh, he's certainly doing that, and uh, he's really honing his skill in. Speaking of growth, Coach, can you fill us in on the uh, and on the progress or your evaluation of the progress of your two young rookie defensive linemen, Pickens and Dexter, and whether or not it'll be a priority for you for them to get more snaps as the season unfolds? Yeah, they're really progressing well. Um, you know, I really believe that those guys are really working hard in practice. Um, you know, they're obviously great athletes, you know, big type athletes that you have inside. And that's a credit to, again, our scouting department and Ryan uh, for bringing those guys in. But uh, we're certainly looking to get those guys more snaps, um, you know, going forward here the second half of the season. Matt, you've always made it a priority that penalties was was just a killer. Why? Why so many more penalties this year compared to last year? Yeah, I think we're doing a good job, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, special teams is down, you know, I think defense is down. We just got to do a good job with the false starts, you know, and on some holding penalties. Now, some of the holding penalties you can agree or disagree with, uh, but we can certainly handle the pre-snap penalties this second half of the season, starting with this game right here. We just got to get those cleaned up. Why, why, why aren't they cleaned up? I would just say this, we got to really do a good job as coaches and players, you know, working together on the snap count, working together to get that cleaned up. And it's a partnership and we got to do it together. Uh, and then Valus Jones, I asked you about him last week, Coach. You know, it's something that has not sat well with me and some of the people in the fan base. You mentioned the the face mask, that that's an expectation that an, a professional football player cannot do. Um, he dropped another pass. It seems like most of the plays are negative plays. I want to ask you point blank, what is he doing to earn a spot on the roster at this point? Well, I would just say this. When people have tough uh, issues, you know, as a player, um, we're always there to support, to support them. And we're going to make a week-to-week decision based on who's who's up and who's down. Uh, but we're always going to support our players. Coach, when, uh, finally, when will you guys have to make the decision on who will be your starting quarterback on Thursday night? Yeah, we'll know more on Wednesday. Like I said, it's day-to-day for Justin. So we want to give that time uh, to really evaluate that properly. And we'll know more on Wednesday. Coach, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Uh, all right, thank you. There's Matt Eberflus, uh, head coach of the Bears. So uh, the holding, he said, uh, it's, uh, it's one of those penalties that uh, up for interpretation. 
They got to be better on the uh, false starts. Every every player on that offensive line was penalized, except I believe Tevin Jenkins. That is correct. Um, I thought it was a, re- t- a tough return for Braxton Jones. Now I'm no offensive yes. line expert, but thought it was a, a difficult return for him in the lineup. Hopefully, as the season rolls on, he'll get back in a groove and and try to build on what was I thought a pretty solid rookie campaign last year. He is. Um, I said this on Who Needs to Rock on our pregame show. He, to me, along with finding out what Fields can do down the stretch, is is one of the most important people on the roster. I know he was in your top ten for important people, too. But now coming back, especially from the neck, and it's because he struggled before the neck injury or whether he was playing through the neck injury, will he give you comfort that he truly is their left tackle going forward? Because with these high picks... yes. You, you're going to have to decide, like, are you going to continue to trust him at left tackle, or is that going to be on your wish list as well? It's not as high a priority as coming to a conclusion on your quarterback, but it's pretty high up there. Yeah. So at the end of the season, not only do you have to have a firm decision on your QB, but because of, of the draft currency that you have, you also have to come to a firm conclusion on, to, uh, on, on the question of whether or not Braxton Jones is your left tackle of the future. If you can upgrade the position, you upgrade the position and you find a way to get him in the mix, either as a swing tackle or maybe if you try to kick him inside, he can take over one of your guard spots or something. But if he doesn't prove that he is your guy sooner rather than later, and you think the kid from Penn State is your answer, and he's available with one of your high picks, I don't think you shy away from taking him. Three one two three three two three seven seven six Bears or the Cubs big move as they hired Craig Council as their manager. If you're just getting into your car and you did not know, that is the case. They did fire David Ross today, and they hired Craig Council in a Cubs shocker. 312-332-3776. We're going to talk to Jesse Rogers from the GM meetings. It's coming up at 4 o'clock. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Waddle and Sylvie. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. One thing I need to note is that uh, the Holiday Parody Song Contest Ooh, is yeah. is now open. It's uh, There's so many opportunities. So many opportunities. Our teams are just, they deliver a bevy of ideas. Uh, yes. Just a ton of different avenues we you can get go a, down. Are we going to get a Bulls uh, Red Court uh, Probably so. Parody you song? Should. You should. There's going to be something from the the team on the south side. There's oh, no yeah. There, I mean, take that, your pick. Yeah. Take like, your pick there. I mean, on the field stuff. By the way, Tim Anderson is is the declining. Yeah, I know. mean, we got to talk to Jesse about that. Like, they, they got Jesse nothing was, for him. Was eighteen months ago. He was the face of the organization, and he was changing baseball. He's the he was the person that they modeled their whole ad campaign around. How how are Sox fans going to remember him too? Now, listen, I'm not telling you that they made a bad decision by not picking up his option. I think last year, if you put his stuff together, he was one of the worst players in Major League Baseball at the dish. Where did it go so wrong so fast? Well, the thing is, at $12.5 million to decline that option, that's not a lot. It it goes to show you they had no faith that he could be a reclamation project. Right, right. They wanted him to play second base, too. Um, But like we always say, there are no bad one-year deals. The White Sox thought that Tim Anderson on a one-year deal was a bad deal, even at $12.5 million. How the mighty have fallen.
Unbelievable. So anyway, I guess my point is is that there's a lot for you out there to choose from yeah, with regard sure. to your parody songs. So you can enter at ESPNParody.com. I was told today we have a great spot for the end of the year holiday contest for the party. And our grand prize from Jewel Osco is a year's supply of groceries. Yes, get your groceries. How about that? Year's supply of groceries from Jewel Osco. Uh, start working on your holiday parody songs. Try to make them 90 seconds or less in order to go over 90 seconds. It's not a really a, a rule that we enforce. It's got to be great to go over that time limit. I have the attention span of a gnat. Yes, you, you do. don't catch my attention. Most people do these days. Yes, you got to get. You want me to stay involved for ninety seconds? Right. It better be epic. No dead time. You got to got to get it to us. Make us laugh. Make make it fun. Make it be funny. Make it upbeat. All right, uh, we'll talk to Jesse Rogers coming up. If you want to react to the Bears or the Cubs' big move today, we'll reset and tell you what's going on. It's all next.